Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. In sports, this year's participants of the Long Walk have officially been announced. Vegas has finalized their odds, and everyone is getting in on the action. Our station has even started its own betting pool, and our early favorite is our very own high school broadcasting intern, Boren Haley. In order to help Boren train, we've hidden his keys and put him on every coffee run going forward. We believe in you, Boren. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, constant readers. And today we are taking on part one of The Long Walk, covering chapters one through five. So if you're reading along, that's all you had to do. If you haven't, spoilers for the book ahead. And today we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. All right. So the book, The Long Walk, is about an event also called The Long Walk, and it happens annually every May. And our main character, 16-year-old Ray Garrity, is one of 99 other teenage boys chosen to compete. We start off knowing a few simple things. The first is that the rules are you stay at or above speed. If you fall under speed, you get up to three warnings. And after the third warning, you get a ticket. The other thing we know, which becomes very chilling and as early as chapter two, is that all the boys seem to understand the stakes of the competition. They seem fully informed. And Garrity, for example, is nervous, but he's also excited. In the first chapter, we meet Garrity and his presumably sick mom as she drops him off. Wait, wait, wait. hold on. Hold yeah, on. wait, what? What? You guys didn't. No. no, I did not think uh, that did not occur to me. Where did that, she where, might be that sick. come from? Yeah, the way that she's described as looking like she recently lost a lot of weight, like her clothes are hanging off of her. Her well, hair. Oh, is I gray. assume it's because she found out her son was going to die. Yeah, I I read that as it's from nerves because her son has signed up for the walk. We also know that there is a some amount of tragedy in the Garrity household because we learn that his father has um, well, he's not around anymore. Yeah, they allude that he's just gone and they didn't Uh, say why. And that could be why she's very definitely, obviously very ill. Uh, <laughs> sure, uh, sure, sure. I, 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 I just with nerves. assumed okay. it was a product of the uh, what we learned to be dystopic uh, society. Yeah. That this story takes <laughs> that, in. and I don't. Maybe I'm just really dark. That was that was what <laughs> came to my mind. The way he described his mom, she seemed sick. To me. I can see that. Yeah. So I mean, I've read the book, but I'm trying to <laughs> trying to be true to my my first impressions. I have not, and I just assumed that it was nerves. <laughs> that was my that was my guess. <laughs> All right, so we also meet a few other boys, uh, ones that are going to come up. So I'm just going to say their names so that we can try mm-hmm. to keep those in mind: Peter McRees or McRise, I don't know how you say it. Hank Olson, Art Baker, and a guy named Stebbins. We're also slowly introduced to the rules of the walk and the casual, straightforward nature in which the walk is presented, which makes it all the more jarring when we find out what it means to get a ticket. Although we probably shouldn't be surprised because the tagline of the book 
as only death can keep you from the finish line in the ultimate competition of the all too near future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's Josh. You're the only one that hasn't read this book before, as always. (laughs) And uh, step up your game, man. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I'm excited to hear your impression. How much did you know going in? All right, now I've I've got a real hot take off the top. Cool. The ticket, yes, which is like you get your ticket. It's very obviously death from the beginning. Like there's no <laughs> like I understand that it's set up to be like you get three warnings and then your ticket. I like getting your ticket punched is a very common turn of phrase. <laughs> For like dying, is and, it not yeah. for the like a teenage girl when I first read this? <laughs> yeah, I remember having to put the book down the first time. the The first contestant punches his ticket. Yeah, I remember going, "Oh shit!" I, I'm with you. I think I, if I remember correctly, when I first read it, I like I kind of had an idea, but when it actually happened, I didn't want to believe it because it's horrible. It's yeah. really, really bad. It's definitely horrible. But I also think that, you know, as the time you guys read it years and years ago, uh, I don't remember when the book came out. But like since then, you know, I have read things like Battle Royale and The Hunger Games mm-hmm. that are all elimination by death things. So having that frame, like that pop culture influence in my mind and then hearing the phrase, you get your ticket, not you get a ticket, you get your ticket. And that was like, oh, you, you get your ticket punched. Yeah. So this like, was kind of spoiled for you because it's been done so many times since. Oh, yeah. well, and I guess I wouldn't really even really say spoiled as so much as like in my brain, like it didn't ruin anything because I just thought that they were throwing that that clue out to me right away. And that not that it was supposed to be a surprise, but it was just kind of like an inference. Ben, we're really dense. Yeah, I, uh, I guess. Just, just <laughs> no, I'm just no. Like, <laughs> okay, so all 100 boys have been dropped off. We're still in the first part of the book, first chapter. They've all said goodbye to their families, and someone called the Major shows up to assign them their numbers and remind them to keep Hint 13 in mind, which is to conserve energy whenever possible, because this guy can't even be bothered to give a speech. And they can't <laughs> see his eyes because he's wearing sunglasses and he won't take them off. And this struck me as really dismissive, but when the boys, when Garrity's talking about him, like in his monologue, it's almost like this major is a celebrity of sorts. So what were your first impressions of the major? Well, he's a dictator. He's the the all-powerful leader of whatever this, I mean, we know we're in the United States because this takes place in Maine, right. uh, Garrity's home state. He's a Maine's own boy. But it's scarily militaristic. This this major shows up in a in a military convoy, essentially, and I, I pictured him in like khaki uh, mm-hmm. military uniform with big aviator sunglasses and uh, just very imposing. That's funny, only because I was like, oh, this is like the Ryan Seacrest of this world. Oh. <laughs> 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 Only because, like, the people were so excited to see him. Like, I think they referenced, somebody says they have, like, a poster of the Major on their wall. And I'm in my brain, I'm thinking, like, fanboy, not, like, military propaganda. <laughs> Everybody would probably have a poster yeah, of the Major. That, so that makes way more sense the way you thought about it. Yeah, because I just thought of him as, like, a him. TV celebrity. Uh, almost mythically, like, yeah. he's... Well, Ray's 
Garrity's father, who is also very, very ill, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, ill with a case of black bag syndrome. (laughs) He referred to the Major as the rarest and most dangerous monster any nation can produce, a society-supported sociopath. Mm -hmm. That is pretty awesome. That's a great character description. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I wish that was mine. <laughs> well, not really. Wait, but... <laughs> oh my! Uh, Let's go back and listen to Misery and see if oh, everybody agrees with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Hot question: Where are the girls? Uh, along the boys. side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. To be kissed and groped. No. Where yeah. are the girls <laughs> in the competition? I was curious about that too. It took me like a little bit as they're like going through and announcing their names and their numbers. That's the moment where I realized I haven't heard a single girl's name and that's sexist (laughs) (laughs) all right so 9 a.m sharp comes around the walk starts and this is when we find out that you have to walk four miles per hour at least you cannot slow down and one of the boys stebbins gets a warning for falling below speed and we find out that it takes an hour to get rid of a warning and we also find out that the walk is not exactly televised but people are definitely interested in it. They line up to support the people they like, to cheer people along. Ben, you mentioned Garrity is main zone. People hold up signs for him. Mm-hmm. He gets to touch butts. He gets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I so uh, Stebbins right out the gate getting that first warning. I thought that was genius. As soon as that, as soon as that happened, I was like, that is an amazing strategy. Like figure out where that that four miles per hour threshold is, and then just chill. Yeah, that's such a crazy rule, because, like, think about if someone told you, hey, walk down the street, you have to go at exactly four miles an hour. No one could do that. <laughs> no one knows that's inherently. insane. Yeah. I did go to the gym <laughs> since I started reading this, <laughs> and I got on the treadmill, and I just, you know, to see, like, okay, four miles per hour. I'm not, like, super in shape, but, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a pretty... Kind of casual yet slightly brisk walk. And I, I'm Ugh. like 5'5", five five, so maybe if you're taller, it's easier. <laughs> but I, it would be hard to keep up for a very days. long time. Days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, as the podcast resident fat asshole, like, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be dead in half an hour. Oh, my God. Okay, sounds... no one has ever called you that. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, so Josh, you think it's interesting that Stebbins figures out where that line is, gets his first ticket. What did you think about Barkovich, who stops to take a pebble out of his shoe and gets all three warnings? I on, I th- honestly thought that Barkovich was going to be out. Like, I really thought that that was going to be how that played out, that he was going to get all three and get punched right then and there. I wish. Right. <laughs> well, the thing that intrigued me, though, is that he, so he gets the pebble out of his shoe and whatever, and then he just says, it's all part of the plan. And it's like, this is also because uh, Hank Olson also alludes to that he has a plan and he has a strategy. Mm-hmm. They obviously don't share them with each other, but it seems like everybody has like their thing. Uh, a lot of the characters have their own uh, their own views on the walk. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the the characters in the story, because there's quite a few who I think everyone is super interesting. Like I uh, with the exception of Barkovich, really like 
all of the characters. So uh, who, who's you guys' favorite walker? Uh, I think my favorite so far is Stebbins. In, in this, like early on, he there's no interaction. He like doesn't like say anything. And I think it's like towards the end of where we stop for this book that he finally starts chiming in a little bit. Or like there's times where somebody will say something really shitty to someone else. And he's like, I heard someone laugh. I didn't see Stebbins laugh. But I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure it was Stebbins. We also meet him in a tree. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Pur- his purple pants in a well, tree. <laughs> everyone is like sitting and relaxing before the walk starts, conserving their energy. And Stebbins is eating a sandwich in a tree, <laughs> uh, wearing purple pants like yeah. the Hulk. Uh, how can you not like that guy? Yeah. Uh, personally, I like McFreeze. Uh, McFreeze is kind of becomes. Uh, Garrity's confidant, like his his number two on the walk. They uh, have uh, camaraderie, and McFreeze has this, um, he he pushes everyone, oddly. There's a time when, uh, what's what's the one guy? Olsen. Olsen, who's this tough dude. Uh, He's really confident at the start. He starts flagging, and McFreeze says, Hey, uh, what are you going to just give up and die? Fuck you. Pick him up. Let's go. Uh, Which I think is a super fascinating trait on for someone in a walk where everyone but one person is going to die. What do you guys think of uh, McFreeze? I love him. He's fantastic. Like that, that whole pushing people in not obvious ways to kind of antagonize them a little bit to keep them going. And I also am curious about how it will affect him later on because you can tell like in, in a situation like this where everyone but one person is going to die, you're eventually going to lose all these people. Mm-hmm. And the closer you get to them, the harder that's going to be. So I wonder why McVries is so able to like, why he's taking that on himself. He's building these these friendships, even though when they're like, they try to call him out on it. He's basically like, nah, fuck you guys. I'm not your friend. <laughs> and they just move on. So like, that's gotta be something, but what is it? I have so many questions. <laughs> I was going to say that McReese was my favorite. You guys kind of already covered everything <laughs> I could say about him. Um, I, I guess I'll just add, I think that not uh, in a negative way, but I feel like his helping everyone and, and being that source of inspiration and motivation is part of his plan. So he's developing yeah. he's yeah. developing relationships with these boys who, you know, they're all it's like me or them. So if he endears himself to them, that might serve him in the that future. That is true. Yeah. And I don't think he's doing it to be selfish. I think that's kind of who he is, just a, a friendly, helpful person. But that's going to help him. After the boys have been walking for a mile, the major comes around in his jeep to tell him that they've made it one mile. And this is a crazy part. He also tells him that the longest 100 walkers have made it is seven and three quarters mile at four miles per hour. That's like an hour and a half or like an hour and 45 minutes in that time. In an hour, 45 minutes, someone usually gets a ticket. That seems crazy. Think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. When, when this happened, I, I won't get into my long walk story, 
But I, when I started reading this and was talking about the speed, there the the abridged version is there are times when I walked home from school and I live out and I lived out in the the country, so my walk home was like ten miles. Was it a long walk? It was a very long walk. <laughs> On gravel roads, back uh, roads, whatever. With uh, two soldiers in a Humvee following. Yeah, exactly. Me. Like, I got on, like, Google Maps, and immediately it was like, I put in the address for the school and my home, because I never knew how long that walk was. And it turned out to be, like, nine, nine and a quarter miles. Jesus. And I was like, huh, I've made that walk. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe some just crack. Well, they tell the story happens. about the one guy who who got his ticket punched like within sight of the starting line. Yeah, he just because he froze. just froze. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, all things considered, in a scenario like this where it's there's only one winner, I would rather go within the sight of the starting line than be second place. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just a good me. Point. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just where I land on it. So. Josh, you've told your long walk story, and I've <laughs> yeah. told my treadmill story. <laughs> Garrity also tells the story of the first walk that he ever saw. This is insane to me, because he tells a story of the one time as a kid his dad took him to see a long walk. It's terrible. Like, by the time they got to where Garrity was, they were all like zombies. Just yeah. like walking, staring at the road. It was as if the crowds weren't even there. And there's one who every time he put his foot down, he would scream, I can't. But he kept walking. I don't know why you would sign up for that after you've seen this. That's insane. That is the craziest thing. That is like if uh, American Idol, like... After someone sang real bad, they stabbed them. And then it was still the most popular show in the world. <laughs> and people still signed up yeah. and still went for it. They, and this might be, this is probably jumping ahead a bit, but they talk about the prize. No idea what the prize is yet. They just say that there's a prize, but there's also cash. So that means the prize isn't cash. There's mm-hmm. cash and a prize. But they never said what the prize is. So it must be something worth all this. Yeah, worth your life. Yeah. All right. So at the end of chapter one, Garrity gets his first warning. It, we don't have to like talk about this in detail, but you can if you want to. <laughs> Garrity has a girlfriend, mind you. That was the note I made. He runs off because there's a like a girl with a sign that says like, go, go, Garrity. Mm-hmm. And he just like runs over and like grabs her and starts making out with her and gets a warning and then runs back. And uh, my note was, wait. He's mentioned a girlfriend, right? Like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> Jan. Jan. Her name is Jan. Her name's Jan. But he's also, like, he's 16 yeah. and in a march to death. And he, yeah, he might die. So. <laughs> so I cut him a little slack for for smooching a lady. So after that exchange, he comes back all jazzed up, and he's kind of walking brisk, and McReese reminds him of Hint 6, slow and easy does it, which leads to an interesting exchange between the two, which goes back to what we were talking about. Because Garrity thanks him, and, and McReese is like, Sure, but don't thank me too much. I'm here to win, too. Let's not get all three musketeers. I like you, but if you fall, I'm not going to pick you up. I love that line. Or will he? (laughs) You know what they call that, Ben. I honestly... (laughs) No. No. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I completely destroyed your thoughts. You did. My my. <laughs> it's delicious. Train of just drove <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> All right. So I had commented earlier that the boys seem fully aware of what's at stake. It, I mean, like as far as you can be being a, having a teenage brain. I thought that for this reason, Harkness was very interesting. What did you guys think of him? Uh, Harkness is the one that's getting their names. He's writing down all the stuff because he's going to write a book. Yes. He's going to write a book when all this is over and he's won. And the second they introduce him, I was like, nah, bro, you're not winning. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I know this is a Stephen King book, but the writer's not going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea, though. I thought that that was a neat uh, character trait to give somebody. Uh, It also prompts asking questions and it prompts getting some backstories from some people. Mm-hmm. It makes him somebody who will jump on a conversation. So I thought it was a, an interesting character choice. Something I found interesting about that is thinking if this guy did win, would that book be allowed to exist? I guess no. it depends. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so. I mean, there's, there's published material about the walk because those hints have come from other walkers. So yes. I guess it depends on the tone of the book. Are exactly. Those? It would have to be severely uh, edited because I spent most of this book thinking about the world that it takes place in. Cause we get very little information about the world at large. We're just kind of given clues but I find it fascinating. What must the society be like that the long walk exists? Mm-hmm. I mean, what 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 even purpose does it serve? That's the it's, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I have so many questions. I would say without like giving anything away because I've read it um, oh, at this it's point. It's been a real long time. <laughs> I know, but I I think what comes to mind when you're diving into this for the first time is control. You're eliminating people, but you're making them beg for it in a way. Like they are eager and excited and willing to do it. Yeah, I, that's why I imagine because they don't they don't come right out and say what the prize is. My initial thought was it must be like a wish. Like you must just get to ask for anything you want because that's the only thing I can think of that would make any of this worth. Like what you would be like willing to put yourself on the line and it's a big enough reward that when society sees this year's winner get whatever crazy thing like their their hearts desire then it makes it worth it i think mcvree's i think it might be around here that he mentions something or it might be a little later when he's basically like uh everybody has their reasons for walking and uh you know i don't even have a sick parent or anything like just like mm-hmm. that was like a really casual aside that i was like all right. It's it's interesting that he has that response and he can be casual about it because why teenage boys? Is a an adult male with a fully developed brain going to be casual about it? Are they even going to sign up for it? Mm, yeah, so I think point. that's important too, why it's that age cutoff. You have to be, you can't be over the age of 18, I believe, to participate in the walk. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I was trying to pay attention to and I couldn't really get a lockdown on what the age range of participants is. I, I think they the mentioned an 18, 18 and Garrity's 16 and I think he mentioned a 14-year-old, I, if I'm not mistaken. That was like somebody, it's just like a random person who is uh, like a thrown away reference to, oh, they got their ticket. But I'm not mm-hmm. positive. 
All right, so they're walking and they're kind of spread out. There's a group ahead of what? I'm sorry. <laughs> so much of this book can get back to by going, and so they're walking. And so they're walking. Oh, no. <laughs> Almost every you guys are gonna catch the pattern. Okay. <laughs> the boys are walking. Yep. And they're kind of spread out, and there's a group up ahead of them, kind of out of sight. And then there's our group of all the the characters we're getting familiar with and starting to like. And I'm sure nothing terrible is going to happen to any of them. None. (laughs) And then there's there's boys straggling behind them. And what's happening is kind of like that game Telephone. So information is coming back through the walkers. There's a rain forecast. Someone got three warnings. Someone's hurt. Kind of things like that. And they get the word that Curly has a Charlie horse. I've never tried to walk forever. So when I when I started reading, sure I thought of like blisters and being tired and how do you go to the bathroom, but I did not think of Charlie horses. As soon as he says it, I was like, "Yep, that makes sense." There's a part where Garrity even thinks he's like, of all of the things that could go wrong, like mm-hmm. bl- developing a blister. Yeah, you could be way physically fit and get a cramp yeah. or roll your ankle misstepping. Yeah. Get diarrhea on the walk like uh, someone in this book does, then, uh uh-oh, too bad. Yeah. Here's your ticket, man. It's it's a lottery, basically. Like, there's Mm -hmm. there's, it's a complete crapshoot of what could happen to you. Plenty of things could go wrong that would just take you out of it, lose focus for a second. Which also, like, that makes it not just physically exhausting, but it's also mentally exhausting because you're trying to, like, pay attention to all of these things. And this, so Curly's the first one to die. So yeah, so uh, he gets this Charlie horse and he's he's screaming, trying to rub it out. And like, he's getting warning after warning because it's 30 seconds between each warning. So imagine like you are panicking for a solid minute and a half going nuts, trying to like rub this cramp out. Finally says that it's it's loosening and he gets back walking. And it is very soon after that that he that he ends up getting his ticket punched and he just he screams because the cramp loosened but now it's back full force and Garrity just hears the safety on all the carbine rifles click off and as soon as everyone hears that sound the crowd just parts away from this kid and then Curly shouting it isn't fair and four rifles just blow his head clean off I thought that was a great like (laughs) Starting off with like a hyper violent sort of kill is the only way to go in a scenario like this. If it had just been he falls and one guy goes over and shoots him in the head, that's not building up to anything crazy. But like four rifles exploding his head. I was like, holy shit. All right. That is insane. I I disagree. Any bullets (laughs) in the head is going to make me go, oh, shit. Fair point. That is a fair point. Yeah. So that kind of jarred me because it it jarred. Garrity too because he watches this and he feels sick and he thinks the things that I this is something I think all humans are afraid of the reason that we created religion and stuff like that he thinks that that death probably hurt Curly and then like what hurt most was that the world just goes on yeah it's a real sad bummer (laughs) but also I laughed immediately after because he's having all this like existential crisis after the first death and Stebbins just casually steps over the body. Steps in the blood, doesn't Ste- he? And then yeah. he has like a... Uh, okay. Stebbins? <laughs> I take it back. Stebbins is the best <laughs> Okay, so the boys continue to walk. <laughs> and they talk about what they do with the prize and 
you know, we got McVries and saying, you know, I don't even know what I do with it. I don't know why I'm here, which was very disturbing. The major shows up again. He announces over a loudspeaker how proud of them he is. Someone behind Garrity says diddly shit. (laughs) And he looks behind him and there's only a few boys, including Stebbins, who appears just to not be paying attention to anything. And things like this keep happening with Stebbins throughout. Garrity has like this kind of hyper focus on him just for seemingly no reason. So that that's interesting, and we'll get back to it eventually. Yeah, and he starts off, uh, like, before the walk starts, he notices Stebbins in the tree, and he gets it in my, his mind that, that that kid doesn't stand a chance. That kid's going to be the first to go. And throughout the book, he kind of goes back and forth on that, where he alternately is like, uh, no, that kid... I think he's got a chance. Or he's, he's gonna... relieved when he doesn't get, you know, he thinks yeah. Stebbins gets a warning, but it's not. It's it's really weird. And sometimes he's like, him. oh, he should have died. He should have died instead of, yeah, yeah, it's. But he's constantly thinking mm-hmm. about He's Stebbins. in the back of his head Stebbins. the whole time. So the boys continue to walk. And word eventually comes back that Ewing has developed blisters. Blisters that he got two miles into the walk, which was about, I think at this point, eight miles ago or about there. Oof. So he's walking in pus and he's Ugh. been warned twice. And 10 minutes later, Ewing gets his ticket. And he put up a small fight. But So that is how chapter two, part one ends. <laughs> Oof. I, I think it's around that point we learn what a piece of shit Barkovich is. Yeah, I wrote the note Barkovich is a racist. Also, lovely. <laughs> yeah, he's a real shit heel. Um, and they keep describing he's this like tiny little dude. And uh he's described as or McFreeze says that uh what keeps him walking is hate. Oh yeah. Barkovich yeah. is walking. He says, I'm gonna dance on a lot of graves after this is done. McFreeze is walking just out west, Barkovich. Mm-hmm. So chapter three opens with a huge thunderstorm, and it's coming down so hard that Garrity can't see anyone else around him. And he kind of has this thought for a moment, if you know someone could just slip away in all of this when no one can see anything. And the rain lets up, and he sees Stebbins behind him, hunched over. And he has this moment, moment of panic because he thinks that Stebbins is sick. And, you know, he had just gone from hating him to, oh, my God, is he sick? Is he okay? And then he realizes he's just protecting his jelly sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Which now makes Stebbins my favorite character. <laughs> and this is where Olsen starts to say that his legs feel funny. And all of a sudden, another gun goes off. Another boy has received his tickets. They don't know who, but they find out through the grapevine that he didn't die because he had cramps. He didn't die because he had blisters. He just slowed down too many times and got his ticket. It had to happen to someone sooner or later. And uh, yeah, that's just of all the ways to go. That's the worst one. That would be the worst because you wouldn't know it. You Like if you have a cramp, well, would that be worse or not? Because, okay, say you have a cramp, you're panicking. Sure. Like, um, you're getting those take warnings. Take Olsen, yeah. for example. He His legs are feeling, he says the muscles feel slack or something like that. Yeah, like they feel saggy. Yeah, saggy is the word he uses. And so he's like panicking, knowing that his body is giving out. Well, this random nameless person, which also, that's the most tragic thing in the book, is that there are so many of these boys that get shot down 
and we never know their names. Yeah. They're just numbers. If you just slow down, you're just like, doot, 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 I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Oops. Like, you wouldn't, you, they don't say, okay, we're going to shoot you now. Right. You, you would just, just hear the click of the rifle. Yeah. Like, you'd hear the safeties lock off. Huh, I wonder who's going to get yeah. shut when you're gone. <laughs> and then you're just gone. <laughs> you know, I think that would be better. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking splits. about it. <laughs> All right. 25 miles out. Does Garrity see a ghost? What now? What? There, they walk. <laughs> Are we introducing just our own uh, opinions? Okay, uh, this, this is the fanfic. Uh, my favorite part Sam is uh, this. The, the post-it note in which I said wrote the major is a Bigfoot. <laughs> I put that just in the middle of the book as a little treat for myself. <laughs> What are, we, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> They're walking through some town. I can't remember which. And there's this woman and it's this old lady frozen. Like she's just standing perfectly still beneath a black umbrella. She's dressed all in black. She's not speaking. She's not smiling, waving. There's no sign that she's holding. There's no sign of movement from her. And the, I mean, that's just it. But he stops to describe her. Maybe it's because we just read Revival. <laughs> and I've got like this weird, you know, that's where my brain is. But I, I think she's a ghost. She struck me as uh, somebody at a funeral. That, that was That's the, way more deep. That was the message that I got from from the way she was standing. So it was so, it was mournful. Uh, like if, if we were to go full Stephen King and do a full chapter on this character that we walked past. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Like maybe her story is that somebody she loved was in the long walk, or or maybe she just is enough anti this dystopian world that she recognizes the tragedy that she's seeing where everybody else sees a celebration. She, she's she at made all me, of their funerals. Exactly. Yeah. She made me think of uh, Garrity's dad because Garrity's dad only took him once, but his his dad was a some sort of you get the the since he was like a revolutionary mm-hmm. essentially yeah, yeah. he was anti government he he tells a story at one point about uh remembering uh his dad being on the phone after the long walk screaming yelling about how how terrible it is and his mom saying Shh, you know like trying to quiet mm-hmm. him and say you can't say that uh and then his dad gets disappeared by the squads which are not have not been described yet, but don't really need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When there are squads, you kind of know what their deal is. <laughs> so I kind of got the feeling that she was like, Protesting? not necessarily a revolutionary, but just like, she knows. She knows yeah. what's yeah. up. I like that. I like both of those. I Mine is way better. I do. Ghost, no, but whatever. It's, it's canon. She's <laughs> a ghost. She's <laughs> Let's tweet ghost. at Stephen King. Let's find out. <laughs> She's the ghost of the nation's innocence. Oh, shit. The boys continue to walk. Garrity. (laughs) I'm going to say that a lot. I know. Spoilers. (laughs) The boys continue to walk, and Garrity sort of, he dozes while he's walking. And he and McReese talk about death and life flashing before your eyes. And the word comes back that someone fell and is bleeding. We find out that it's a boy named Zuck. And he's bleeding a lot. And he's he seems to lose consciousness and slow down, but he's still walking. He gets his third warning, and that's when he takes off running. It, he's bleeding so much that it's leaving a trail on yeah. the pavement. It, it's panic. It's just full-blown panic. And 
he knows he it's very obvious he needs to he needs stitches and there's no way you can stop and get stitches so he's done like i think Mm -hmm. he knows with the amount he's bleeding he's just done and that sprint is just all the energy he's ever gonna have left like full fight or flight kicks in and he chose flight and it's such a a despairing image of this kid just taking off past the next hill like he goes out of sight Mm -hmm. and the soldiers who have been following them in this uh big the half track yeah half track that's the word one of them hops off to stay with him and then the half track just chases him down like doesn't even chase him down just doesn't need to it just slowly Mm -hmm. follows him uh his, his fate's unescapable inescapable whatever <laughs> and what's more tragic is that Suzuk gets his ticket and he, he's gone over that rise because he took off and by the time Garrity's group gets there his body's gone so it's like he was never even there mm-hmm. he doesn't matter anymore they are real efficient about getting those bodies out of the way which actually also surprised me because I wonder I mean I guess with the way the this game works they're trying to not interfere as much as possible but in my in my head, the first thing I was like, don't they want everybody to see that? No, they don't, though, because I think that's pushing it too far because people are lined up watching too oh, sometimes. Yeah. All right. So you don't want people to get too upset about sure. these boys. Dying. So it's, it's you want it to be entertaining, but not. So getting the body out of there is like just a wiping yeah. it from their memory as yep. soon as possible. OK, yeah, yeah that and makes sense. If they just take it out and act respectful, then the, the boys that die are heroes. Yeah. And martyrs. Sure. The boys continue to walk. They continue to talk about death, and it's like we're watching them grow up before their time, and we're watching them lose their childhood mile after mile. And a fifth boy gets his ticket, Travin, because he has diarrhea, and instead of just letting it fly, (laughs) come on, Josh, don't laugh. Sorry, diarrhea is always funny. (laughs) So he keeps slowing down to relieve himself. And at this point, Garrity's legs have been hurting, and now he's aware that his feet hurt. And Olsen is not looking good, and he's talking like he wants to give up. This ticks off McVries. Ben, as you mentioned, he's egging him on for, you know, reasons we discussed. Yeah. Uh, completely abandoning his uh, no three musketeers angle. There was one thing that in, in this conversation, because this is where they – the part of the book where they talk about the prize and that there's cat, like there's cash and there's a prize, but Garrity says he's not interested in the money. So I'm curious what he's interested in because he's not really said as much, but he has this back and forth with McVries where, uh, Garrity argues that living in a mansion or in a hovel is no different. And I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> Like <laughs> that is that is the opinion of someone who has never struggled. It's not so much. I, I don't think that he's so much saying like, "Hey, rich folk have it hard too," because you don't get the sense that he's well off. He's no. definitely. I don't think any upper class people participate in the law. <laughs> um, yeah, this is strictly a thinning out the lower class uh, type deal. It's it's just a an admission of we're all dead in my thinking about the society of this book. Like it is probably a pretty fucking bleak place. 
right? Yeah. I, I think that where he's saying, you know what, I, I don't care about the money because whether, you know, I could win all this money and live in a mansion for the rest of my life. What the fuck does it matter if I get hit by a truck the next day? Like we still die the same. It's it's I think it's just a, a symptom of this society where, you know, their lives aren't really valued. Do you think that's why the attendance for the long walk is so high? Like the people, the the cheering spectators, like okay. that their that their life, like the lives of all these people, it's so bleak that this morbid thing is the only thing they have to cheer and look forward to. Yeah, possible. I, I could mean, see that. It doesn't sound like a great. Wow, <laughs> this world got much yeah. darker. This, no, this book is dark as hell, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, like it. I said, I yeah. I don't remember. A lot of like the second two thirds of this book, I was surprised how little I remembered. But the end, uh, I do remember, <laughs> and uh, oh, it, it's not wait. a happy go lucky uh, kind of. I'm holding that book. hope. It's fine. <laughs> no, no. Hold on, hope, Josh. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Chapter four: The boys continue to walk, and one walker, Percy, watches as the soldiers drag his mother away. She keeps showing up. She's screaming for him come home now. And that's horrible and sad. And another walker, Fenter, gets his ticket from a stiff foot. So I think we're at six tickets now. And Garrity has, it took six tickets and now he feels numb to it. And they continue to walk. They talk about love and sex. And Garrity thinks of his mother and his girlfriend, Jan, which Uh, made me feel kind of weird after that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh, no. But the best part, he then talks about the first boner he got with his friend, Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, God. That was like, (laughs) all right. right, We we have time for this, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... Yeah, I'm not a boy, so if you guys want to talk about that, knock yourselves out. But I'll yeah, what was, what was the first boner you got? Josh? Uh, oh, that's not what I. No, meant. no, no, no. We're done. Oh wait, what uh, are we talking my about? My first boner. First. <laughs> so Garrity. <laughs> Welcome to my first boner the podcast that celebrates your this first. This is going to be the episode title. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Garrity falls asleep and gets a warning. McReese wakes him up and Garrity thinks about memories and how they're like a line drawn in the dirt. And the further back you go, the scuffier and harder to see that line is until finally there's nothing but smooth sand and the black hole of nothingness that you came out of. And the memories were like the road they were on. Here it was real, hard and tangible, but that 9 a.m. road where they started, that was far back and meaningless. And this is the kind of conversation that we're getting with them as they're walking and it makes the story that literally takes place while a bunch of people are walking four miles per hour mm-hmm. just so interesting and fun to read. It's beautifully written. And I love that uh, that little excerpt that mm-hmm. you just read because already the road, the time is stretching so long that just the beginning of the walk, only a few hours ago, how long into the walk are we right now? 50 miles. 50 miles into the walk. The beginning of the walk feels dreamlike and unreal. And I think it's not long after this that um, the boys start asking Garrity, 
hey, what's coming up next? There's a there's a town coming. Yeah. They're like, oh, in a few miles, we'll get to this town. What's after that? You're from Maine. Tell us the... And he says, oh, well, after that, there's, um, you know, eventually we'll get to Bangor. Eventually we'll get to the Freeport, um, where his mother and sister are, sister, girlfriend are. And then eventually we'll get to the freeway. And it'll be flat walking. And they say, well, how far away is that? And he says, um, about 120 miles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. And that is such, and it's at, there's quiet. That is such an amazing bit of writing because he spends all this time saying, oh, my God, it's been so long. It's already hellish, this walking but there's so much more, more, almost more than you can imagine. So we're about 50 miles in and the boys come to a huge hill. Have you guys ever tried to walk up a steep hill at four miles per hour? No. I have. <laughs> it was after I tried to ride my bike up it. And I was having such a hard time that I almost fell over off my bike because the pedals weren't moving fast enough. Jeez. And you end up doing that like hunched over walk where you basically might as well be using your hands and feet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could, after having already walked for 50 miles, I don't know if I could keep that up. That would be horrible. So they're on this hill and they're just looking at the ground in front of them, trying not to look up at the hill. And word comes back that the hill is a quarter mile long. Then it's two miles long. And then no walker ever got a ticket on the hill. And then three boys got tickets on it so there's all this information coming down that's probably not making them feel better about walking up and Garrity realizes that he can't slow down because if he does that'll be his third warning and as we know there's no warning after your third there's just a ticket a boy Larson slows down and he says he's just gonna rest for a while and he gets a ticket and then shortly after that another boy gets a ticket they don't know who and the hill goes on, and another boy, Toland, faints, and after three warnings given to his unconscious body, he gets a ticket. There are 91 walkers left. I really <laughs> felt with Larson, who was just like, ah, fuck it, and he just sat down for a second. <laughs> I was like, this is my guy. All right, so they finally make it over this hill, and they're all glad to be alive, and they this like gives them this sense of hope, I think, because they start talking about the end of the walk. And how you know who's seen the end of the walk has anybody ever seen it and this is this was fascinating this is where we find out more about Stebbins so he finally speaks up and let's talk about what he has to say about seeing the end of the long walk he says that this was four years ago where he got to see the end of the long walk over 20 people were trampled to death just trying to follow along with the last walkers. That's how aggressive and, and chaotic and violent the end just for the spectators got. And he describes that the winner, um, he describes the feet of the winner uh, because it was his dad, I think, mm -hmm. like set him. He was like, be right here. And it turns out the walk almost made the guy almost came right down in front of him. Like his dad just knew. And where his it was dad got him that awesome spot. Cause his dad's part of the squad. So. Yeah. Got him that sweet spot. <laughs> sweet spot. <laughs> and, uh, the, the winner, he had no shoes. He'd walked the bottom of his socks away completely. His feet were purple because the blood vessels had all been broken. 
and it was this guy and then uh, a blonde guy, a blonde kid and the kid fell. They gave him his 30 seconds because both of those two were walking on their third warning and punched the, the last ticket. And the winner crawled over to the dead body and was crying it, crying on it, gripping the body by the shirt and just talking to it. And he couldn't tell what he was saying, but he was just crying and talking into this other boy. And that's all he remembers. And he's here. Yeah. 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 And, and I, we, we're still very early in the book, but I mm-hmm. cannot wait to find out what in the world motivates Stebbins. After- well, I remember, but Josh, I cannot oh. <laughs> wait <laughs> till I find, til you out. find out what motivates Stebbins. Uh, yeah, I can't. The, the only thing I can even think of is that it's like it's almost a shot at his at his dad. Like, that it's a shot at his family. Like, if his dad's part of the squads and put him there and was like, boy, you're going to love this. <laughs> and he's like, the fuck I am. Yeah. That, tr- like, just, oh, I can't even imagine. It just made me like Stebbin so much more, too. That is actually interesting. I would never thought of it as, like, a fuck you to his dad. I said that, you know, no one in this walk is probably, you know, upper class. But as a family member of the squad... Someone whose family knows what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. who is well aware of the the violence and uh, everything perpetrated against enemies of the state, you would assume. What it must be like to be like, oh, dad, you're so pro-government. You you uh, are, are in support of everything that's happening. Oh, well, I'm going to go walk in the long walk. How about that? Yeah. What that must be like to be like, well, you shouldn't do that. Oh, well, well maybe you shouldn't disappear people. Dad. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, weird teen rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Stebbins is a real rebel. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Not that old ghost lady, because she did. <laughs> oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stebbins tells this story, and a couple minutes later, a boy named Quincy gets his ticket. Chapter five opens with two more boys having received their tickets. Garrity is feeling a little crazy and his legs are tired and his muscles ache. And another boy named Baker, not our Baker that we met earlier, but just some other Baker, gets his ticket. Two interesting things happen in this chapter. The first with the bridge. Word comes down the line that uh, the thunderstorm that had happened earlier had washed out a bridge uh, uh, that they are supposed to cross and that the walk is going to have to stop. Imagine that feeling, that hope, that you, everything's so tired at this point. You've seen like eight or nine people die, and you're going to get a break, which is unheard of in the walk. Yeah, it's never happened. And the, as soon as I read that, I was like, there's no way. I was like, that's got like, in my head, I was like, that's misinformation somewhere. Like someone is fucking with the, all of their hope. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe not though, because the bridge did wash that out. That is true. I was wrong, but that's where my head went immediately. It was like, what a fucking mind game, especially to Olsen, who at this point yeah. is still just hunched over, barely dragging himself at that four miles. But this is important and these guys know what they're doing. So the bridge is repaired and this ends up leading to Barkovich and Rank getting into a fight. And as a result of this fight, Rank gets his ticket. So despair at this point is creeping in on the boys. McFreeze admits that 
he did go into this with his eyes open, but he still thought that when the first guns fired, it wouldn't be bullets that came out. It would be little flags, you know, gotcha. He realized the truth a few hours ago, and neither he nor Garrity think that either of them are going to make it to the end. Yeah, this is the point where McFreeze is like, nah, I'm going to die. But I'm fucking outlasting Barkovich. Yeah. I'm doing it. I will see him dead. <laughs> Which, uh, fair. That Barkovich thing, like, I want to go back to that for a second, because mm-hmm. that was crazy. We we established that there's no physical violence allowed between the walkers. Can't and Barkovich just else. goads this kid into taking swings on him and just but deftly moving out of the way. And it ends with the, the fight ends because the, this kid falls over and just can't get back up. And he yells at Barkovich, like, are you happy now? You've killed me. You're a murderer. And right before he gets shot. And I was like, yeah, you murdered that guy. You didn't pull the trigger, but you straight up murdered this person. Yeah. Uh, McFreeze, I believe, is the one that says, you know, congratulations, you're no longer a pest, you're a murderer. And uh, the thing that made me so happy is that Barkovich is shown no support by any of the other walkers. Like, there isn't, like, a group of other ones who are like, haha, yeah, it's, like, not divided. It is they scatter from him. Yeah, he brags, and everyone shuts him out and just moves away. Because everyone is disgusted by this. And that made me... So happy. So two more boys get their tickets in this chapter. And chapter five ends with a heartbreaking scene. Another boy falls back by our group and he's on his last warning and he looks completely withdrawn. Like he has given up. He is gone. And Garrity starts asking him over and over, what's your name? What's your name? Tell me your name. And McReese says, don't bother him. He's dying. Don't bother him. And the boy gets his ticket. And we end chapter five with a total of 17 walkers dead. Only 17. There's still 83 walkers left, and it feels like they've been walking forever. And they're tired. They haven't they even have gone out- 24 hours yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not at a full we're day We're not at a full day. Right. Yeah. They, they, are, they are coming up on midnight. <sighs> it's not even a day. And they have said that the long walk has in the past gone all the way through Maine. Like, I think they've gotten to Massachusetts once and into New Hampshire one time. Mm -hmm. That is... I... Imagining that in a real-life situation is unthinkable. And at least... I guess at least... I hate to say at least, but they get water and rations from the soldiers so if they empty their canteen they just say canteen and they get a fresh one but i mean imagine if they had to have their own supplies and stuff with them and and have that weight on their backs as they walk for however long i might need rations and they only get the rations once every 24 hours well they get water whenever they need it yeah they get food food. and and it's like in the second chapter olsen drops his belt with all his food on it Mm -hmm. and it's just gone you can't go back for it That was a mistake that cost him his food for 24 hours. And Garrity gives him his cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the end of our part one. Do you guys want to talk about your first impressions or, well, second for a couple of us? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Josh? Uh, I'm I'm loving it for for a book. I kind of touched on this with when we did Misery, where I mentioned that it's so crazy all the things that can happen 
in a book where we're reading that's just in a bedroom. Mm -hmm. This is very much like that, except for, you know, not in a bedroom. It is like an amazing how much story can be told walking down the street. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this book. I remember, um, the first time I read through the Bachman books and this being hands down my favorite. Um, I'm shocked at how little I remember about it, which is great for me because uh, reading through it again, it's almost like reading it for the first time. And it's just so beautifully written. I'm really excited for the rest of this book, guys. Yeah, I am too. I, you know, sometimes you read things when you're a teenager and your brain's mm-hmm. developing and everything is so like new and amazing to you. And you go back as an adult and some things lose their magic. Mm-hmm. And I find, I don't think I've ever gone back to a Stephen King book and found that it has lost its magic. Oh, absolutely. In fact, not. it's it's made better every single time I reread his books. And so jumping back into this one immediately, I was like, yep, I'm here. <laughs> so good. So good. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next episode for part two, covering chapters six through chapter 10. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Kahn, reminding you that it had to hurt before in the worst rupturing way, knowing there would be no more you, but the universe would roll on just the same, unharmed and unhampered. Hey everyone, Sam Alexander here. Thanks for listening to part one of The Long Walk. This book is so awesome, and we hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. Wouldn't it be great, or maybe just really sad, if this were made into a movie? In 1998, George Romero was approached to direct a film adaptation, but nothing ever came of it. How cool would that have been? In 2007, Frank Darabont got the rights to adapt it, and he said he would, quote, get to it one day. Come on, Frank. Most recently, New Line Cinema announced it would make it into a film. So maybe? Someday? Anyway, I'd like to end things with a trivia question, courtesy of the illustrated Stephen King trivia book edited by Brian Freeman and Bev Vincent, and illustrated by the amazing Glenn Chadbourne. My question is this. According to Hint 3, what will give a walker blisters the fastest? Is it A, athletic socks, B, walking too fast, C, walking backwards, or D, sneakers? Tell us on our Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. And if you would be so kind as to give us a rating and review on iTunes, we would love that. In fact, what the heck? Post your answer to the trivia question as a review. Just make sure to also rate us. That's all for now. Goodbye, listeners.